The opinions expressed in the following program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media. Family-owned Paranormal Pizza underwrites this episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast, located at 901 Gazan Parkway, Southwest Wyoming, and available at 616-531-8300. My uncle's home had a forest nearby. He loved all the animals, so he left his supper scraps outside. It was his generous intent to feed every stray that crawled, walked, or flew his way. While visiting my uncle one autumn night, through the kitchen window my eyes did a light. I found those supper scraps. On the outside I saw such a sight. It was terrifying as the moon climbed high in the sky. On that cold, clear night, the small woodland creatures would not have their meal. It was Sasquatch I saw, gobbling it down with such zeal. I bolted the door and my camera, I fetched a photo, I must have, of this giant wretch. I bolted the door and my camera, I fetched. I fetched. Back into the woods, the Sasquatch flopped with big feet and left me wondering just how long a Bigfoot had come, been coming to my uncle's to eat. It left such a stench in the air, horrid and foul, and as the hairy giant disappeared in the woods, I heard an odd howl. I got the howl wrong. <laughs> oh, I love, I love it. That's not more like alien communication or something. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by WKTV. I'm your ghost hunting host, Wayne Preston Curtis Thomas. Welcome to another episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Podcast. As always, we ask that you please keep an open mind about things that you might not easily believe as we explore the mysterious. Now, we're missing one of our co-hosts tonight. Kim Colleen couldn't make it, but joining us is Brandon Jose. He did the poem. Thanks, Brandon. He's an incredible resource when it comes to the mysterious. Uh, introduce yourself, Brandon. I'm Brandon Jose. Um, was formerly a Kent County Paranormal. I have made this announcement. I have made the decision to kind of step down from that team. I've just kind of decided not to do home cases. So I kind of be kind of still be staying in the field, but just kind of doing kind of my own thing for the right now. If you haven't guessed tonight, it's a Bigfoot show. We have a team, they're called the Upper Peninsula Bigfoot Sasquatch Research Organization. I think they're, they're competing with our friends from Grass Paranormal for the longest name. And joining us, I got this off of her Facebook. So this is what Tammy, I found in Tammy's Facebook. She says, not all girls are made of sugar and everything nice. Some girls are made of an adventure dark chocolate, intelligence, cuss words, and courage. And I think we might also add sarcasm from what I saw on her, on her Facebook. Tammy, introduce yourself. Tell us your last name and tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Okay, uh, my name is Tammy Krasik. Uh, I live in the Upper Peninsula, Escanaba, Michigan, to be exact. I'm a psychic medium. Um, I do readings, location assessments. Um, I help people understand ener different energies that they might be dealing with in their homes. Um, I'll do individual readings and talk to people who have passed on. Um, I read, do picture reading. I can hold objects and get information off of objects. I can help work with darker energies and get things moved along. Um, I've helped write some books. I've done some articles. I'm a life coach. And I'm also part of the um, Bigfoot organization up here with Rich Meyer. Um, and I have a um, report that's been published. Wonderful. And I'm a mom. Yeah, well, that, that's a full-time <laughs> job in itself right there, right? And then we also have mm -hmm. from the Upper Peninsula Bigfoot Sasquatch Research Organization, we have Rich Meyer. Now, Rich, you could be related to uh, the McKenzie brothers, Doug and Ken McKenzie from the Great White North, because you're that close to the Great White North. Tell us about yourself and your group. We're, I'm, we're that close to Canada, but I'm originally from Lower Michigan. I'm actually originally from Saginaw. Uh, I started the UPBSRO back in 2013. Uh, we've slowly added members here and there as people have bigfooted with us and gone out in the field. We have, have an open mind about working with every other organization that wants to work, work back. Uh, we'll share information with anybody. Uh, if you have information or you have sightings and you want to share them or want another set of eyes, that's something I've always pushed is that we need to work with each other, not everybody against each other. Yeah, that's that's really good and important there because you just attended the Paranormal Summit. Yeah. I believe you're a speaker with GRASP, our friends Bill and Connie Jones from GRASP Paranormal. Brandon was was there too. Uh, tell Tammy us also spoke there too. So all three of us were there. Oh. Yep. yep. Yeah, I was there too. Okay. So let's talk, let's start right there. You can tell us, uh, you know, what that was about, what part you played in that. You got people together, like you said, to bring these different areas of the paranormal. Well, and then paranormal, I'm not sure, Bigfoot, we're going to, we'll talk about that before the night's over, but tell us about the summit. With the summit, I, they had reached out to me and asked me to speak to kind of cover the the crossover points of Bigfoot research versus paranormal research. And there's there's a lot of crossover. We use a lot of the same equipment. We go into investigations the same way. We have to have that scientific method where we're constantly trying to make sure that we know what we're looking at and what we're looking for. So that that was kind of what my, my talk there covered was okay. that crossover. Right, I could see that. And then Tammy, what, what did you talk about at the summit then? Um, I basically talked about who I am, what I do um, as far as a medium, going to locations. This was my first time on a ship um, for a location. Um, and I basically just, I, you know, Brandon can help me out here and Rich. <laughs> I basically talked about, you know, what I consider 
good investigating and not so good investigating and then how what I do and what I won't do and and actually Rich has crossed over into my world and I've crossed over into his world. So he's in the Bigfoot world, but he's continuously proving that he has some, he's a ghost magnet, but um, I don't know where I was going with that, but Brandon and Rich and I actually kind of shared some experiences on the ship with the uh, sensory deprivation. Um, That's opened up a whole bunch of things that I'm still processing, but um, I think it's a great tool. Um, I think the grasp team is awesome. Um, it was, it's just, it was, it was, it was an opening, eye-opening experience for me as far as being on a ship. Cause I had never been on a ship doing investigating. Um, right. You I got, don't know what else. I don't know what else to say. You guys were on the SS city of Milwaukee that docked in Manistee. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and there was another ship, too, I think, that you guys had access to. But Brandon, now the SS uh, city of Milwaukee, that is haunted or reported reputation haunted. Yeah, there's uh, some. So that's my first time there. So we did get the image of or somebody to get an image of like an arm and a hand. And there's, of course, it's been seeing uh, somebody like in a blue like suit of, or not blue suit, but like a blue uniform. Um or blue t-shirt or whatever. And then there's, there's a part of another more aggressive male energy, which I think we may have gotten off of the ship, thankfully, but or Tammy helped kind of get clear that out of there. Oh, and then also there was felt there, at least at the time was a, also a female entity. Cause it was a story of that somebody had jumped off the ship. They like took their shoes off and jumped off. So there was kind of, those were kind of the stories kind of going around with the ship. Tammy, can you just walk into a place and then get impressions from the room? Um, yes, if that's if that's what's meant for me to for me to happen at the location. Like, um, typically, how my process works is someone gets a hold of me, or you know, like someone hears of me and says, "Hey, I want you to do this or do that." Um, if it's meant for me to be at that location, I well, you know, then I'll go into like a little bit of um. I do like a little bit of a chant inside my head where I open the veil and then I see what I'm meant to see. Um, I don't see everything. It's, you know, I see what it is I'm meant to see at that location. Um, Especially if there's something I'm meant to help with, because that's ultimately why I'm in this field is to help and to um, educate. Um, Do you have to be, you have to be right there at the location? Can you do that remotely? Um, I've done remote view work, um, and that tends to be sporadic. And another, you know, if I'm meant to meant to do remote viewing, I do it. Um, but yeah, I I didn't. I purposely went on the ship without opening. I didn't open myself up until I got there because I wanted to go in cold. Um, and I had seen. I kept getting two impressions of two different men. And I think we had pretty much figured out who that was by the, by the end of the weekend. Um, I didn't see the female, but I, I got a sense of female energy, but I didn't connect with the female like some other people did. So that was interesting, you know, cause I don't obviously see and feel and hear everything that I'm, if I'm not meant to, that was obviously meant for someone else on the ship to deal with. And then the two um, men 
that I kept seeing, I think I kind of figured it. Well, I, I know we kind of dealt with the negative energy, but the other, the other person that I kept seeing, I didn't really figure out who I think he was until the, a week later when I was at home going, Oh, wait a minute. I think I might've figured it out now. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Um, yeah. I see. So you kind of fig figure out how you fit into the equation and then do your part. Rich, mm -hmm. I, I don't know what you were thinking. You, you had a, <laughs> you had a medium join your Bigfoot team. I mean, we were ghost hunters, Brandon and I together, and we worked with mediums and I know no offense, but they can be wild cards. Well, well, yes. my medium had my medium had a Bigfoot experience and searched me out. Okay. Then mm -hmm. after after we had met and talked and we went, we actually went to the location where it all happened and did the research. I said, Hey, I'm getting more and more phone calls from people about and messages about Bigfoot lives under my porch, Bigfoot lives in my kitchen sink. And I had asked her, I said, Hey, when I get these people that it's obviously not a Bigfoot. Can I call you? Can I talk to you? Because okay. Tammy has her own organization as well. She's got her own business doing this. And she said, well, sure. If, you, if I can work with you, you can work with me. And it just, the two of us have been friends ever since. Oh yeah. Tammy, I saw that on your Facebook. What do you have a group? What's your group name? Um, well, I'm Outer Limits Paranormal. I'm basically a one woman show. And then I pull in people, well, Rich, and then there's a couple other people in my community um, that I pull in um, when I, I have a few buildings that I do smudgings and, and cleanings and cleansings and stuff. And, um, you know, like not monthly, but like yearly or annual, whatever, you know, like whenever it's time to go in, but I'm basically a one woman show. Um, I've tried to build a team, but I'm, I'm pretty picky. I'm, I've worked with I've worked with teams that are in this for all the wrong reasons. And I pride myself as being a professional and I want to keep it that way. So um, there's only there's you know, there's only a few people I can like call and be like, hey, do you want to go do this thing with me? Because I'm very picky on who works with me. The outer limits. I like that. We, we've used the outer limits stuff from in the intro for some people because they are way, you know, they're out there, uh, people that are deal with the aliens and that. But wow, what a what a combination, the two of you, and that's really fair unity uh, at work, I think, right there. And like Rich says, maybe not everything is uh, Bigfoot that he gets reports on. How many people are on your team? We're missing Jim Sherman. He was yeah. going to be on the show, and I guess he's a, he's really a fun guy. He is. He Jim Jim is a blast. Uh, Jim, there. As far as the team goes, I've got a handful of people downstate. I want to say six at last count. And then there's another five or six of us up here as well. And we, for up here, we range from Ironwood. So over, well, here, from over here, Ironwood-ish, <laughs> to Germfask. Oh, yeah. So it we we cover a good portion of the up and we can if somebody's got something urgent we can usually get to it within a day or two if it's just something where we need another set of eyes we're all here to lean on each other so do you guys have a a budget do you do uh, make money and then use that money towards your group we're mostly just self-funded we we all kind of get our own equipment and do our own things um, we don't charge anybody 
for investigations when they call us or to go out and do any of the any of the investigating. So well, what if you do like what you did over on the ship there for guest speaker? If if any of that happens, it's usually just enough to cover my gas. Oh yeah, right. Because yeah, you have you have a ways to drive just to get to these places without a yeah. doubt. And, and then, some and like for the para unit because it was a para unity thing, I wanted to go anyways, and my okay. wife went with me. So we we went down and we did it, and we didn't even discuss payment or anything like that. So nice, right? And then what you do is you have training for Bigfoot training, and Brandon actually attended that with our friends Grass, Bill and Connie okay. Jones, and some other people. You, you did that last year. Is that something you do on a regular basis, this Bigfoot training? We're doing it again with Grasp this year. I think Bill and Connie said they have some more people that want to come up and, and do it with us. And that's it's basically just a weekend in the woods camping, and I make, you know, have us camp in a spot where we have Bigfoot reports, where there's been a history. Up there in the UP, you're talking yep. about? Yeah. Now, uh, which which part? Show us your shirt again. Show us about where do you do your Bigfoot training? The where where we were last year and where we'll go again this year is Central UP. I don't want to give out a an exact location. You don't want a bunch of people showing up. Yeah, I don't. I don't want an extra. I don't want anybody out there trying to hold us. Right now, this is a map I made of the two peninsulas of Michigan, yep. and the dark green is forest area. Yeah. In Michigan, which the whole UP is a forest. You actually have three national forests, I believe. The, yep. Ottawa, the Ottawa and then two of the Hiawatha uh, National Forest up there. And Michigan is more than, um, it's 55% is forest. Once it was 95%. So if this isn't a prime area for a Sasquatch, I don't know what is, you know, it's a uh, Prime real estate, dense forest, swamps, vast farmland, plenty of fresh water. You're never more than six miles from water. Uh, and you have four Great Lakes, 14 billion trees in Michigan. I'm not sure who took the time to count them, but you're in the you're in the prime area. You think that's where Bigfoot's hanging out is in the UP? You get lots of reports. I think they're they're statewide. It's where they're hanging out. I don't think they really care if they're in Michigan or Wisconsin or Minnesota, they, they just kind of wander where they want because who's going to stop them? Yeah, not me. Now, we have some mutual friends, Phil Shaw, Linda Pomeranke. Yep. And, you know, both of those people. Have you done uh, speaking engagements with those guys? I haven't done any speaking engagements with them yet, but I have been to Phil's get-together that he does. Yeah, um, he he just, yeah, the same time you were on the ship, they were doing their thing over in West Branch, Michigan, for the um, Bigfoot days or Discovery Days, I think. Yeah. And then yeah. our friend Shatan Noir, do you know her also? Yep, I know Shatan. Author, a cryptozoologist. She was over there and she was talking. And one of the things that she covered, and this was really interesting to me, was the ability for Bigfoot to camouflage itself. Now, I don't know if you've heard her speech on that or her lecture that she does on camouflaging, but since I heard that, I've done some more research and apparently Sasquatch can be out in the field and you think it's a bush. 
until you walk by it and then the bush moves or you turn around and the bush, what you thought was the bush is now gone. I don't know if you ran into any of these reports. I've had reports like that. Uh, I guess the easiest way to explain it is I had a, a person tell me, they asked me, they said, have you ever watched Harry and the Hendersons all the way to the end? Right. And I'm like, what do you mean all the way to the end? He's like, as the credits are going and the Bigfoots are just popping up and then they turn and they walk away. And then they'll step out and they turn and they walk away and they disappear again. Right. I said, okay, yeah, I have seen that. He said, that's exactly how my, how my sighting went is I was looking at a bunch of trees and all of a sudden there was a Bigfoot and then it took three steps and it was gone. I'm going to watch the movie again, just to watch for that, because I just saw that same thing that you mentioned about that at the end where these Bigfoots were there the whole time, but they just looked like a bush until they got up and walked away. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. Tammy, you weren't at the training uh, last year. Um, what training? When they did the yeah, big, you were there. Oh, because oh the, yeah, yeah. They had some experiences. Brandon, you want to talk about that? You guys had some experiences that weren't Bigfoot yeah. related. That was some lights uh, in the woods. I don't know exactly what that was. Yep. That was yeah. Well, I think we had one where, well, at least where me and uh bill we were on the other end of the campground we were the only ones there and connie was in the camper and something came up and pushed the camper so like that was kind of an interesting one it didn't act like a bear so it's like because we got back to you as like that locks like that wasn't funny that wasn't funny yeah what what wasn't funny <laughs> you know like what are you talking about it's like, like three minutes ago wherever you went and pushed the camper like we just walked back from the other end of the campground we don't know what you're talking about right. so, uh, yeah but you saw some lights out in the woods. I don't know if it was uh, Firefox or what it was, some kind of a strange phenomenon. Well, we, were all, we were all seeing it at different points. Like at the one point, I'd have, yeah. I don't think I really seen it the first night, though people were seeing that, but I had my camera, so I was more focused on that at the time. But then we went out the second night, me and Bill are sitting out, uh, we're sitting across from me, you know, kind of back to back. And because we're sitting, you know, it's downpouring rain and we're at the spot where somebody felt like they were getting charged at and and one of the camping lots so we're sitting there and all of a sudden uh you know we're sitting here the noise sounds like something's moving around in the woods and hearing knocking and stuff and then all of a sudden like for mine i started seeing like this white light just go flying by me you know and just like going all around me and i'm like what is that <laughs> you know it's like you know it's it's not a firefly you know it's not a firefly right yeah you know it's way too big for that and and it's not the right color so it's and like all the rest of them were seeing different color lights too while we were out there so yeah that's interesting i don't know what you guys were smoking but uh <laughs> we weren't smoking anything it's like <laughs> time anyway yeah. so go out there for bookfoot found fairy lights so yeah and this is the same area where we've had eye glow and eye shine in the past Oh, okay. But that's usually red in color in that area. So, all right. And then, Rich, you talked about cameras, how you guys might use some of the same equipment that they use on ghost hunts. Now, yep. do cameras work? You've got different kinds of cameras. You've got the infrared, you've got SLS camera, full spectrum cameras. Do those work when you're searching for Bigfoot? They might. It's, it's one of those things where I can't say definitively yes or no. I have to say they might because the best camera footage we have are from old eight millimeter cameras. Oh yeah. Sometimes which, which is the Patterson Gimlin film and the the Blue Mountains vi video. 
that, but that's old technology cameras. It's none of the new technology. It doesn't have IR lights because there's a there's a theory that a Bigfoot, because its eyes are bigger and their rods and cones in their eyes are bigger, they could see into the IR spectrum right. to, pick out, to pick out lights. That's something that Bill Jones from Grasp, he, he talks about that a lot. He thinks that that's not going to work for you with the cameras because of, the, like you said, the extra cones that they have in their eyes. And, and we know some animals do. You know, dogs, dogs see things that humans can't, cats. Yeah see things that we can't right they notice ghosts before uh people do well it's like great you gotta talk about like the the one the yeah like the farmer or whatever where he was putting the trail cams up and yeah. leaving the stones to like like mark like how far the trail cam lights go like they're throwing stuff through the through the camera lights and stuff like that to see like what's like what area sets off the motion detector yeah there's the one of my witnesses up towards crystal falls area he wanted to know how to stop them he's like i just don't want the bigfoots by my house i don't want them by my cows and family so i said infrared lights so like like your regular motion detector light and game cams are the best way i know to halt activity the same weekend i put them out he sent me like 1100 pictures of horizontal moving rocks and sticks oh we couldn't figure out what we couldn't figure out what it was at first then we figured out that they were throwing rocks and sticks through the camera and through the IR to pick it up and tr trigger the camera. Oh, man. And then he started finding little rock stacks in his yard. And if you walked on one side of the rock stack, it triggered the camera. If you walked on the back side of the rock stack, it didn't trigger the camera. Or they are throwing them right at the cameras. They knew they were there. They seemed to be very intelligent. Yeah. What about these? photos that i've seen where they have these giant boulders that are way up in the trees you think that's sasquatch activity it could be i don't know why they'd take a boulder in a tree but right but i've they, seen there's got to be a reason for it i've seen those pictures and then also where they they have stacks of big boulders well they're stacked one on top of another yeah and, and people think that's related to bigfoot yeah the the rock stacks could be like road signs or some type of communication between Bigfoots and different Bigfoot clans so that they know either a boundary line or there's water three, three whatever's away from the stack. And that's why there's three stacked up on top of each other. Have you ever been scared out in the woods? You got, you heard one of those calls or, or, or you smelt one, maybe you that we were so close. You could smell it. The skunk ape. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I've smelled them. Um, oh. Three three years ago in Wisconsin, I was literally pushed out of the woods. I was in my truck, had two other BFRO investigators with me, one in the passenger seat, one in the back. And my truck is just a regular Chevy Silverado crew cab. We had the windows rolled down, all the lights off, and we were listening and we could hear steps to our right so out the pasture side window and they kind of worked from back to front then we didn't hear anything and then there were steps from front to back down the driver's side and then i could hear something breathing and i don't know if it was that i had my seatbelt on and i felt confined or if it felt like it was that close but i immediately said that's it started the truck and drove out as fast as i could 
Oh yeah. I went, we went back the following day and found a giant X structure sitting on the opposite side of the road from us where we were sitting. What kind of structure? A giant oh, X structure. X. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I have pictures of that somewhere buried in the computer. So. Okay. And we, we actually had you on cryptic frequencies uh, once before. So I've got to talk about Bigfoot more than once. One of the things that really stuck in my mind was the, the infrasound, how they can paralyze. They, apparently, they're credited with being able to have the same ability as tigers, rhinos. Uh, there's, a, there's a large list of animals that can paralyze their prey or whatever by just making a low tone. You buying into that? I do. And I do because part of part of what I've done to get to where I am is I was a, into car stereos for a long time. I actually worked for a shop as an installer for 13 years. And I know I know what what regular sound waves can do. And infrasound is just sound waves you can't hear. So if they if they have the ability to do it, and I've seen deer that have just stopped. I've seen video of that where you get a deer that should be running and it's just standing still looking. So I, I believe infrasound is out there. Interesting. It makes them even that more elusive. I mean, anytime you get close to them, they're going to paralyze you anyway, and you never are going to catch up to them. You know, it's kind of crazy because you're, you're, you're trying to track something that's got a foot that is sometimes this big. This is 23 inches. Yep. This line here is 17. What do you think is a, your average size Bigfoot footprint? Average is probably around that 17 mark for what, what yeah. people find. Okay. I mean, we've found, we've found prints as small as six inches. Oh, baby Bigfoot. Yep. This just dawned on me. These, these Bigfoots ought to be excellent swimmers. They got flippers for feet. <laughs> yeah. <And> <laughs> Phil Shaw thinks they're hanging out in the rivers and maybe down in caves and in the rivers and stuff. That's what Phil's thinking because he, he finds them or the reports are along the rivers. Yep. Rivers are a good place to find food too. Right. Huh. And, to, and, to, and to travel, right? Yeah. There's a lot that there's so much evidence. Um, Phil Shaw says if it was a murder crime there would be enough evidence to convict i have friends that are skeptics and tell me like how come they haven't found like a complete skeleton of a big it my my thoughts on why we haven't found a complete skeleton is they either bury their dead or they take them up in a tree or they eat them <laughs> so yeah. there, there's possibilities there if if you take a skeleton up at a tree, no one's going to look up to see it. And then as it breaks down, it's not all going to fall in one spot. It'll get windblown. It'll get pushed down. Porcupines will eat the bones and move them around. If they bury their dead, most of the places are cedar swamps, which is a fairly acidic soil. So it's going to eat the bones fairly quickly. And then these same people that say that, ask them how many bear skeletons they found. Oh, right. Or even you go out and search for antlers, which the, they drop, you know, deer drop their antlers every year, but try to find one of those out in the woods. Yeah. Good luck. Well, 
the reason I always use the bear skeleton as a as an example is it basically this it's pretty close to the same size. People mm -hmm. know bears are real. There's no questioning whether mm -hmm. they're real or not. And then from there they have to now go down deep into a swamp where they live to try and find one. Because when a bear dies, it goes and holds itself up and makes sure nothing else can get to it. Yeah, that's you know, that is a that's a good comeback for that. I'm gonna that's what I'll tell my skeptic friends when they say how come when nobody <laughs> nobody's coming forward with a bigfoot skeleton they came up with a oklahoma come yeah. up with bigfoot licenses bigfoot season hunting season i was pretty upset when i first heard of that now you want to talk about the bigfoot hunting season in oklahoma we, we can it's it's a publicity stunt is what it is they they're trying to boost their tourism and because if you read through it it says that you have to bring it in live you have to live you have to live trap it and bring it in live so they're just if you're going to go to oklahoma and you're going to try to trap one live you're going to spend money on gas you're going to spend money on campsites you're going to spend money on food yeah it's so, a very big cage that is going to be secure enough to hold it so don't get out and come after you because it's going to be mad because you put it in a cage. <laughs> yeah. Now, Oklahoma does have some, a lot of reports and they've got some that are really aggressive as far as their reports go. So oh. if anybody's going to do it, I caution. I, I send a lot of caution out to them. No doubt. They're offering a $25,000 reward or prize. Yeah went in like you say unharmed yeah i don't know it didn't work out when they were trying to get uh, that ape off the umpire state building there <laughs> didn't work out too well for everybody there when nope. we talk when we talk bigfoot we always talk about talk about some of the same things we talk about language uh evidence and you've you've talked about some evidence already uh the different names that people come up with at the different places but the fact is, Bigfoot reports have gone on for centuries yep. in every culture, in every continent, except Antarctica. Apparently, Bigfoot doesn't like the cold. Or else there's, not, there's not enough people up there to report it. Right. Because <laughs> that, that, that's what you need for a Bigfoot report, is you need a Bigfoot, and you need somebody, somebody to see it that will report it. From what I've read, a lot of the reports are coming from hunters. They're up in their tree stands, whether they're hunting hogs yep. or, or whatever. They're in these tree stands, and so they're quiet, and they're out of the wind. And then that's, that's who's making the reports. I'm thinking these reports are reputable. I mean, have you come across any hoaxes? I've come across hoaxes. I've, I've had to, to question some of the things that I've, I've had reported to me. Uh, I had one guy that had put three or four different reports in because I'm also an investigator for the BFRO and he had three or four reports through the BFRO and I read through them and some of them sounded legit and some didn't and the first thing he said to me when I was doing my initial interview with him is well I know at least one of my reports is a hoax because my friends thought it was fun they my friends thought I believed and they they decided to hoax me one night but that's one of my reports. And I said, well, which report? Well, I don't remember which one of my four it is. 
So mm -hmm. I had to take everything he had and classify it as a, as hoaxes because I don't know which report is a hoax. Right. Kind of the same with ghost hunting. You might as well throw it all out the window if you got any part of it that's suspect. Yep. We did this poem. Brandon did the poem about this, his uncle's home and they got supper scraps outside. And so Sasquatch is feeding. But you have some kind of cautionary tale that you told when you were on cryptic frequencies. I just, I, I caution anybody that wants to, to gift them, especially at their home. Yeah. It's if if you start to feed a Bigfoot and he decides he wants his food, he's going to get his food. And if you sell the house to the next person, you just sold them a Bigfoot with a bad attitude that's hungry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, actually, Tammy has a question that ties into our training with Grasp from last year that involves gifting and what can happen. <laughs> what? <laughs> gifting. Yeah, you're so during our training last year with grasp, we were walking a road during the day and we found a rock that had a symbol scribed into it, which later we found out was a dragonfly and a water symbol. Tammy had found the rock, so it became hers. She took it to an Indian elder. Native American. Native, the Native American, American elders that gave me my name and you know, yeah. <laughs> what they, okay go ahead they told her well that was meant for you you need to take it to a place of water and you need to give something back do you want to finish the story Tamara? you want me to keep going okay well how do we i'm i have trouble shortening stories up because i could story tell for like days <laughs> well we don't you have know, i got but we got a few right minutes. We got a okay, so um, I have a personal relationship with Bigfoot, and either you believe it or you don't. I mean, it is my experience. What I got going on in my world with said Sasquatch or Bigfoot is obviously my experience, and it all started with that report. At the, it all started with the report, and it's progressively gone places since, and I just kind of accept it as what it is. So, yes, there was this rock I found had an inscription on it. I brought it to a Native American elder who gave me my Native American name uh, a while back when I decided I wanted to accept more responsibility in the spiritual realm, so to speak. They told me that I needed to go find water and gift, leave gifts or leave an offering of food because uh, apparently a Bigfoot gifted me that rock at our expedition. Um, they knew I was going to be there or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm still, I still process this whole thing, Rich. I mean, come on, this is crazy. So I go to the river or a, a specific river where I've had experiences with a specific clan, I think that is out there. And I gifted some squash and some blueberries. That's what they told me to gift. So I did. Um, and I washed the rock and I said a little mantra, you know, thank you for the gift and here's some food in return. Okay. Now this is where I get cloudy because I have so much going on in my life. Was it a week, a week or two weeks I went back and found the dead deer? Was it, it was, one week or two weeks? It was within a week. Within a week? Yeah. I went back to the spot and there was a, a dead deer <laughs> right by the spot I gifted that had a broken neck, uh, broken legs, and like a grabbing slashed area in the hind quarter. 
I immediately, I either texted or I called you. Texted you or called, called Rich. Called and I'm like, me. I was pretty freaked out because I'm like, this is not a coincidence. This is the area I gifted. What is going on? I mean, I was just doing what it was instructed by the Native American people that, you know, um, totally believe in this whole situation. So I was just like, what is going on here? And I don't want a dead deer. Like, I don't, I don't need a deer. Like, what, what are we doing? So now, Rich, you can go on with this because I'm. Okay. So I, I mean, yeah. So I went with Tammy back out after she called me because we generally we communicate through text message. We know when one of us calls the other one that it's something important. So she called me. <laughs> I went out to the river with her. And now where the deer was laying, it's only two or three inches of water that it was laying in. This is a spot where deer cross on a fairly regular basis. Just down from that, you could see a path clearly beaten in the, in the sides of the trail. The deer was almost placed into the, where it was at. Its head was, its neck was broken and its head was turned completely backwards. Both front legs were broken and one hind leg. There were no, I pulled it up out of the water. There was no bullet holes, no arrow holes, nothing. And it wasn't during hunting season. So it's not like it was shot somewhere else and ran down there. Right. So I checked, I made sure to check all of that out first before anything else. We hooked a rope to it and I pulled it up out of the, out of the river. Now, I know that the deer weighed approximately as much as Tammy because I had picked her up and carried her across the same river. <laughs> so the, we have good times. You know, all of all of her blueberries, pumpkin, all of that was gone. Now this is within a week, so it kind of if you've ever fed deer, you know how long it takes for them to eat a pumpkin. And they would have had to, they also would have smashed it down into the ground and it's a cedar swamp. So it would have, but you, we would have found where they were smashing it in the ground. The ground wasn't disturbed there or anything. So it was two weeks after that, Tammy went back out there and the deer was gone. Not, not drug gone, just gone. No, it, it looked like somebody had picked it up and carried it. It was not, there was no drag marks. I mean, I, <laughs> okay. So somebody came back and got it. Um, Bigfoot came back and got it. Cause I didn't want the gift. I don't know what's going on here. I already would have had to have drag marks. Or it would have been all torn apart. Right, right there. Spread all over the place. Yep. And it yeah, there were no, yeah, no, no signs of any deer ever being there at all. So maybe you are meant to be hunting Bigfoot. Yeah. I've had more than one experience. I've had, uh, yeah. Yeah, you got some. But, yeah. What? You're, you're getting some signs that saying that you're in in the right direction, doing what you should. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. So what 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 do you use for bait? So you you guys put out uh, pumpkins and berries. If you wanted to uh, Sasquatch to show up, would you put out a salt lick? Uh, what would you what would you use to bait a Bigfoot? Other animals. <laughs> Oh yeah, well they do that with some. They have it's, the the reason I say other animals is I don't actively bait or feed big bigfoots, big feet, however you want to say it. I sasquatch, sasquatch. I I go to an area where there is sufficient food already, and we look we look for sign from there. Uh, 
the like I said, I caution anybody that wants to feed them in an area. And okay. it just mm-hmm. it just so happened that Tammy had one of those things happen by gifting in one spot where I'm going with the from what Tammy's told me of the experience and the way that she can communicate back and forth with them sometimes is they were give she gave a gift of food, so they were giving a gift of food, not understanding that she wasn't going to utilize the small deer. Right. But what really I'm asking is, you know, what what do you think's on their diet? What's on their menu? Everything. I think they're omnivorous. I've got reports of them stealing dog food, 55 gallon drums of dog food. And the people find the 55 gallon drum empty or the drums returned empty. Um, there's reports of them eating roadkill, frogs, uh, roots from plants and trees. Yeah, I saw a picture of a big pile of BM. And then uh, oh. Phil Shaw was like saying it's mostly aquatic. Somebody yeah. somebody took a real close look at that BM and said yeah. aquatic plants that they were eating. But it might depend on their particular area. Right. They're hanging out what's available to eat, whether it's roadkill or small children, women. I think that women make good bait. (laughs) (laughs) They do. Women, women and kids make real good bait because they're non-threatening. That's that's why when I've had Boy Scout and Girl Scout troops ask me if I would take them out bigfooting, and I'm like, of course I'll take you out bigfooting. Yeah. The sound of children playing or high-pitched uh, uh, women voices maybe seem to attract. I know if you're hunting coyotes, they'll have, they'll play a tape of a, like a distressed animal, maybe a yep. rabbit or something that's distressed. What yeah, about- I just had, I just had some coyote hunters that did that this winter and they had a Bigfoot standing 80 yards from them. And when they pulled the gun up, it ducked down. As soon as they put the guns down, it stands straight back up. So he probably thought there was some animal distress. He was coming to get a free lunch. You know, yep. that happened with me. When I was hunting turkeys, I'm squeaking my box, you know, imitating the turkey. And what shows up? Coyote. Coyote thought he was going to go find himself a turkey. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of evidence out there, you know, as far as evidence goes. Uh, the different names are, are kind of funny. It seemed like Phil Shaw had pet name. He kept co- referring to them as an ape or something. Do you have, how do you refer to it? Do you have a pet name for Sasquatch? No, I just call them Bigfoot or Sasquatch. That, that's it. Okay. But some of the other places. <laughs> moving the, over. Grass man. You know, there's different names according to different locations. And we talked about how they're on every continent. Yep. Is it all the same creature? Now, Phil, Phil thought maybe the abominable snowman was something different than... There, there's theories that run in both directions. I tend to think of it as people in Michigan look different than people from Florida and look different than people in Africa. So that we could, they could all be the same species and just you have different subspecies, you have different, I guess, races of them. Or if, if it if an animal's in a certain area long enough, they seem to adapt to that area. I mean, survival of the fittest, that means that their, if their hair color matches their surroundings. That's the gene that is dominant that survives. So that could be like yep. you said, their environment has changed them somewhat. They started out as the same, 
but now their environments change them a little bit. Right. Yeah, that, that's if you look at the difference in reports and the sizes that they give out in like Oregon, Washington, they they say 10 to 10 to 15 feet tall. In Michigan, it's eight, the average is around eight feet tall. And it's just the difference, just the difference in climate. Yeah. That makes it change. And then Florida is like six feet tall with the skunk ape. Okay. And then there's there seems to be some things that fall into even different areas. I think Kentucky has a Barilla, Barilla or something, whether whether um, dog man, uh, cross between a dog man and a gorilla or whatever, but yep. there seem to be a lot of cryptid uh, things out there. You're hunting Bigfoot. Do you also think maybe you might run into a dog man? I'm I'm sure we will at some point in time. I'm I've got reports of dog some dog man reports up here that we've that we've gone and looked at, and I want to do some more digging with that. Okay. And it's the big variation between dog man and Bigfoot is the dog man reports I've got they they report a definite snout and a different set of pointy ears that stick up off the head. Okay. It's, this is really an interesting topic for me. There, there's so many different ways that we can go. Hmm. Like I say, we, we, we talked about some of the different names and the evidence and the language. Do you buy, do you buy into all the different, the whistles, the knocks, the growls, the hoop howls? We, well, we played Bobo and he was doing, I guess that's a, is that a whoop howl? Would that be with that? that it's like an Ohio howl that he does. So I've heard whoops, I've heard whistles, um, I've heard them imitate, well, the, where I used to live in Bark River, they would imitate cows, I've heard them imitate owls. It's when you hear that, when you hear that sound that's just off for some reason. Oh, that's interesting, you said cows, because on my list I had, it sounds like a cow on steroids. Yep. And mm -hmm. no one has ever mentioned that yet at all the big Bigfoot people we had on, even though I had that in my notes, so I never brought it up because they didn't never brought it up. But yeah, I yeah, we've had we had that happen uh, when I had one of my friends come to the location that I have all my experiences. Um, we together had heard what sounded like a dying cow, <laughs> and she looked at me and she's like, didn't really know what to say, and I said, "Yeah, they're here today." Wow. And yeah. then Samurai Chatter, uh, again, Phil Shaw, I keep bringing him up, but he, he, he heard the, sham, the Samurai Chatter one time when he was out uh, Sasquatching. You think, you believe in that too? They're communicating with each other? Yeah, I've, I've never personally heard the Samurai Chatter other than the, the recording that Moorhead did, uh, but I've, I have heard the, the mumbling in the woods. Yeah, Ron Moorhead's got books out where he talks about some of the different sounds or the languages that they use. We probably should actually move on. We're getting kind of late in the hour already. So to follow our format, and we like to do shout outs. We've mentioned some names already, but it, anybody want to do a shout out to maybe somebody that's been influential for you uh, along the line or someone, a mentor? 
Um, well, my my biggest mentor is is actually Jim Sherman. He's the one that he's the one that got me interested in the audio parts of Bigfoot research. And then Caroline Curtis is another one. She she is I sent pictures to her and she said, well, I need you to go out and take pictures with scale because I didn't know anything about it at the time. So the, those two have probably been my biggest driving forces in all of this. Okay, cool. Tammy, how about you? Anybody that uh, you want to shout out to? Um, just in the Bigfoot world? Someone that's been influential. A, a Bigfoot or, you know, you're, you're into the mediumship too, so. Um, well, definitely Rich Meyer. If it wasn't for Rich, I wouldn't be this deep into this <laughs> Bigfoot world. Um, my probably, probably Bruce and Pat Hardwick. Um, that would be the Native American um, couple that basically kind of initiated me into Native American stuff with in regards to Bigfoot. And then um, a guy named Jacob Studdinger, who's from Marquette, who I trained under for about five or six years when I was developing my medium skills. Okay, good. Well, we'll do a shout out to XC Susan Smith. That was the last person we had on the show. And we might as well do a shout out to Phil Shaw and Linda Pomeranke. We brought yep. up enough times. And and I had Jim Sherman on my list too. It, it would have been nice to talk with him, but he has family uh, things going on, which of course that's priority over, over our interest. Definitely. So shout out to those people. Yeah, Exie was the, uh, she was a spiritual medium. You would have got along with her, Tammy. She's an energy reader and she's mm -hmm. a, author she's she's authored welcome to my paranormal life when the dead come calling and essence of death those three books so mm -hmm. then we move into upcoming and ongoing we know that you just did that guest speaker over there at the ss milwaukee for the paranormal summit but you have other upcoming stuff it sounds like you got another training session coming up yeah we'll be we'll be taking grass back out in september um, before that, we actually have our UP Bigfoot conference that we do every year. It's August 14th. We're going to be in St. Ignace this year, so we're kind of more centrally located for the whole state. We have Charlie Raymond from the Kentucky Bigfoot Research Organization and Ken Gerhard that's been on Monster Quest and Missing in Alaska. Those are our two speakers this year. Oh, wow. Excellent. Yeah, for, for sure. Write that down, uh, people. If Bigfoot in the UP. How about Tammy? You got anything else you got planned? <laughs> um, I just have, well, I'm, I'm trying to organize some class stuff. Brandon kind of knows a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I basically, I'm, I'm pretty confidential. Like if I, if I got stuff going on, if it's not meant to be public, I can't publicize it. Um, I'm going to be obviously attending the Bigfoot conference, um, I might go to Paracon. I don't know. I was there two years ago and vendored with um, Tyler Tischler, who I co-wrote a book with called Haunted Marquette. Um, I didn't mind being a vendor, but I think I'd rather just go and mingle versus vendoring. Um, I have some location stuff I have to do this summer. A few different people across the UP have emailed me and called me. I don't do a lot of marketing. I let people find me because that tends to work best for me. So, I mean, I really don't have anything that I'm publicizing right now, except um, I'm looking for people to want to sign up for some classes and stuff, but. 
Okay. That's about it. All right. Well, our next podcast will be with Kathleen Rydell Tetson. She's an author stepping into mm-hmm. stepping into a darkness. And she has this, another series of books out that she wrote with her sister, Beverly Rydell. So I'm looking forward to having her on the show. Uh, ongoing. Your show will be televised locally here on Comcast 25 and UVerse Channel 99. Uh, I'll let you know when that's coming up. Maybe you'll have some friends in the area that can check it out or relatives yeah. live here in the in the lower peninsula. You know, Brandon took a, a, a he says uh, that the lower peninsula is actually much bigger than what you portray on this t-shirt. He doesn't know what, how that the upper peninsula is so much bigger on this t-shirt. <laughs> The, the story the story behind that is when I was real young, we used to camp all over the UP and there was these placemats at restaurants that said the UP of proper perspective. And that that image stuck with me. So I wanted to do something and pay homage to that when I made my when I made my logo. Okay. Now, when I named my organization, I didn't think it'd ever be anything more than a little Facebook page with a couple of reports here and there. Now we're almost 3,000 followers, and I wish I would have shortened the name up. <laughs> I love it. I love the name. You're going strong. You sent, you got this T-shirt out to me during COVID, so yep. I appreciate that. You sent it out in the mail. That was great. Um, also upcoming, well, we, we have an ongoing, we have our Facebook, Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast Facebook. That's a long name, too. And then I do articles, so I just did an article on the Paranormal Summit in the in that whole concept with the grasp. And then I, I got a new article coming out on Nicole and the Reverend Robert Duchesne. They're authors and, and investigators. Uh, they they like to, and they do tours of Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo haunted areas. But for the final thought. I, like- I got to add, I got one more upcoming event because we're talking about the SS city of Milwaukee. Uh, Grasp on June 19 is having a fundraiser for the SS city of Milwaukee where people can come and uh, kind of learn about paranormal investigations and check out the ship. So well, the same ship you guys were on. Same ship we were on. We were just talking about. So mm-hmm. uh, I'll probably post something on our podcast page on some more information or they can check out Grasp uh, page for more information. Yeah, on that's it. on our Facebook, I believe, already. Mm-hmm. I was just in there last night. So, and then I always do a final thought. So is Bigfoot paranormal? Because what happened was we used to call ourselves, you know, all things paranormal. We changed it to mysterious because Bigfoot people told me, Hey, we're not, we're not paranormal. This is a living animal has nothing to do with anything paranormal. So that is the final thought is Bigfoot paranormal who wants to lead off. <laughs> I will. They, Bigfoots definitely have some some abnormal or or paranormal abilities, things that we don't have a better way to explain. So I think if you're gonna if you're gonna go out in the woods and chase Bigfoot like we do, you have to be ready for the paranormal side of it as well. A good point. You better be ready for some stuff, some mysterious stuff like this infrasound that can paralyze you. Right. A good point. What do you think? Paranormal? You got an insight into this. You know, there have been times that, um, like that expedition where the energy, because I read energy, 
the energy of Bigfoot feels very similar to something I'm experiencing when I'm investigating a house or a location. So sometimes I have to dig pretty deep psychically to figure out, am I dealing with Bigfoot? Am I dealing with someone who's passed on or some other entity? Energy is very similar. Um, what I like, what I think people need to do is just not, is not like stick with one idea, like have to stay open-minded because what you don't, we don't, what we don't know, we don't know. So if you automatically go, well, it can't be that or it can't be that, well, then you've closed your mind to what any of this could be. And the farther I get into the Bigfoot world, the more questions I have. Good point. You just, know, I've can't, so. Just like we say at the beginning, keep an open mind about things you might not easily believe. Brandon, what do you think? Bigfoot. Well, here's, well, here's the thing. You have humans and animals both leave a spirit. They both have a ghost. So I want a Bigfoot. So like, that's the whole thing is you have, I think sometimes you might be actually seeing a spirit of a Bigfoot that passed on. You might be seeing a ghost of Bigfoot. And two, there's also a lot of areas where there's a lot of different paranormal activity where you have ghost sightings, Bigfoot sightings and UFO sightings. So how do we know there's not a, that's not an interconnection between those things? Man, Bigfoot's not, right. Bigfoot's not scary enough. You gotta have a Bigfoot ghost. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I'm staying out of the woods. Yeah. It was in 1920, the English language took on the word paranormal. So you break it down, two things, para and normal. And it means beyond the scope of normal scientific understanding. So the definition implies the scientific explanation of the world around us is normal. Anything above, beyond, or contrary to that is para. So, Bigfoot, I know the Bigfoot people are going to probably do down on me, but Bigfoot is paranormal, even though we're mysterious now. We've changed our thing so we can cover all things mysterious because I'm not sure about paranormal. But, yeah, it does fit the definition of paranormal. Mm -hmm. And it's the uh, inspirational thought, and then the show is over. So, great show. You guys came in really good up there from the, in the UP. So close to the great white north. <laughs> tell, uh, tell, tell Ken and Doug McKenzie I said hi when you see them. When you take off to the great white north. Tammy, it was a pleasure meeting you. Brandon, it's always nice to see you uh, every two weeks. Um, so the inspirational thought, and then it's over. So stop waiting Friday for summer for someone to fall in love with you for life. Happiness is achieved when you stop waiting for it and you make the most of the moment that you are in now. So live for the moment. Don't let that moment pass you by. That's what Jim Sherman's doing right now. He's not letting those special moments pass him by. He's with his daughter on her graduation. So great show, guys. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. See ya. Family-owned Palermo Pizza underwrites this episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast. Located at 901 Gazan Parkway, Southwest Wyoming, and available at 616-531-8300. The opinions expressed in the preceding program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media.